she took out a mirror. Why? To reassure herself? For she knew what was in the mirror. A slender, sturdy woman, thirty-six years old, with straight dark hair worn in short wings away from the temples. Large, dark almond eyes, unblemished skin, a nose too prominent, and good teeth. Pretty enough in a very quiet way, not a woman whom anyone would turn to look after. If I looked like my mother, she thought, it would be different. And yet Theo loved her. Knowing that, still she felt cold. The chill trickled down her spine. She talked to herself. No one really knows anything about anyone else. My husband is one of the best-known plastic reconstruction surgeons in the New York area. My father is one of the most successful builders. I have four children and a house that my father built for us on two acres of greenery. I'm in good health, at least as far as I know. So I have everything, haven't I? Her daily list, only half checked off, lay on the seat. Market. Shoe repair. Underwear and socks for Jimmy and Steve. See Mrs. Mills about Laura's brownie scout meeting. Make haircut appointment. Kindergarten parents day with Philip. Call about Steve's bar mitzvah date. Lunch at club with Papa and Mama. She looked at her watch, ran a comb through her hair, and turned the key in the ignition. Papa was almost a fanatic about tardiness, and since that was one of the very few things that ever made him angry, he deserved to be humored. Thought of her father was sudden comfort. In him lay security. Understanding quite well that there was something juvenile about these feelings, as when a child is consoled by a kiss on his bump or scratch, she felt it nevertheless. So then she ought to be glad now about this rare event, a meeting in the middle of the busy work week, and ordinarily she would have been very glad. But at this moment she felt only like running home, like hiding, like being alone. Now in late September the day was as hot and weary-looking as midsummer, distinguished from it only because the trees were dusty. A smoky haze lay over the street. The center of town was busy with autumn shoppers moving through the Georgian brick stores where, behind quaint bow windows, were displayed in turn the Irish tweeds, Italian shoes, Scottish cashmere sweaters, French tableware, records, books, and gourmet foods that befitted an urbane life within commuting distance of New York. Before the war, the town had still borne the mark of the country village it had once been. In the fifteen years since the war, it had tripled in size and prosperity, a fact which seemed to gratify most people, but not Iris. She would have liked it to stay as it had been. In all things, she was most at home with smallness and simplicity. People aren't satisfied anymore, she thought. The country is restless and greedy. Everybody wants better things than his neighbor has. Theo said it was understandable after what they'd all been through, the long depression, followed by the war. Theo again. Always her thoughts must return to him. Driving now through the gates of the country club, which they had only recently joined, she reflected that if it had been left to her, they would not have done it. This club was far too expensive, with its large bond and dues. Also, it was too manicured, formal, lavish, snobbish, too everything. But Theo was expert at tennis. He loved his competitive games, the heated all-year pool, the lawns, the grand view. He loved it all. The lobby was deserted. Those who were not still on the golf course at this hour were already at lunch on the terrace, from which came a murmur of voices. Mr. and Mrs. Friedman are already here. They're on the terrace, Mrs. Stern. 
This is a talent, too, Iris thought as she followed. Imagine caring enough to remember all those names. Of course she has to, it's part of her job. But still, she must really like to be at the center of crowds. As for me, I can't imagine it. Her parents were at a table under an orange umbrella. She kissed them both, apologizing. I'm sorry I'm late. I didn't think of looking out here for you. That's all right, darling, Papa said. Only two minutes. You're forgiven. Your mother's entertained herself watching birds. A variegated congregation of sparrows, blue jays, morning doves, cardinals, and pigeons was bustling around a shallow feeder. Look, Anna cried. There's a flock of ducks on the way south. Isn't it a miracle that they know when it's time to leave? Her face, raised toward the sky, was young and eager. Her russet hair, which was barely streaked with a few strands of gray, was piled high in soft...